and welcome to another episode of the CFAL Talks Economic Podcast. My name is Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments at CFAL, and I will be hosting this series on the Bahamas 2020-2021 mid-year budget. In studio with me today are Anthony Ferguson, President and Founder here at CFAL, Michelle White, Investments Manager, and Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst. Each year, the Minister of Finance presents a budget communication to Parliament outlining the state of the Bahamian economy and the government's proposal for adjustments to taxation and spending. On Friday, February 26, 2021, the Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Dr. Hubert Minnis, commenced discussion on the 2020-2021 mid-year budget for the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. Today, our team is here to have an in-depth discussion on the mid-year budget, looking at the state of the Bahamian economy and strategies to navigate these uncertain times. So panelists, let's get right into the discussion. So do you believe the country's public finances is on an unsustainable long-term trajectory? And if yes, what can be done or what was outlined in the midterm budget communication to address this? Well, I do think it is um, on an unsustainable um, trajectory. Um, But, um, you know, we have to be mindful of the fact that we're in a crisis. Um, And, you know, during crisis, um, you know, you throw normal out of the window and um, you do what it takes. And I think you even see some of the um, rating agencies, which usually would, you know, criticize governments for large borrowing, are encouraging um, governments to you know, support the economy and, and spend money at this time. And I think it's, it's you know, something that's happening um, all around the world. Um, you know, even if you look at the, the U.S., I think the deficit um, over a 12 to 18-month period would be anywhere from 3 to $5 trillion, which, you know, would have been about 20% of, of GDP. And, you know, that would be unprecedented in, in any sort of normal times. Um, and so I, I think it is um, unsustainable, um, but we do have to um, get through to the other side of this. And then I think at that time, you, you go ahead and um, begin to make some of the, the tough decisions, you know, that usually involves austerity, which, you know, is a, um evil word in the, in the world. But um, there's, there's going to be some of that unless we can, you know, find some sort of new innovative um, industries or... Um, new tax sources. So at some point, it's going to have to be some sort of austerity. I agree um, with Angelo. We are in unprecedented times and that calls for an unprecedented response. Um, But we are on an unsustainable trajectory. We can't keep on like this um, for the foreseeable, um, for any length of time. Um, So once we get over... um, through this crisis, we are going to have to make some tough decisions and we're going to have to pivot in a different direction because we are, the debt is unsustainable. We can't um, borrow anymore. We are just basically burdening future generations of Bahamians and we are putting ourselves in a corner. We don't have any room to grow because we have this big burden of interest payments um, hanging around our neck. So I think that um, we are going to have to, once we get through this, we're going to have to take a step back and look at 
what is necessary to be done, which isn't always popular, but somebody's going to have to take the bull by the horns and just do it. I mean, again, yeah, we, we, I think what will end up happening is um, our projected growth because of the um, debt burden is going to continue to be anemic unless we um, totally transform the economy. And so that's the worst case for us is um, very, very anemic growth, um, continued high unemployment, and um, increased levels of um, hardship and, po- and poverty unless some bold decisions as everyone around the table is, is in agreement. So should we continue to borrow until we are forced to stop? Until they tell us we cannot borrow anymore? Because a lot of people are saying we have to borrow and I, and I we have to borrow. But, but I mean, we, we borrow every month to pay uh, the 25 plus thousand civil servants. I mean, I mean and, and if the government doesn't borrow uh, their overdraft with, uh, you know, the royal banks of the world, it is what it is. I mean, um, uh, the question becomes, do we continue to borrow in foreign currency? I mean, that, that's the, the real challenge because that's what impacts our, our one-for-one par, which, you know, you all know how I feel about that. So, and I'm not going to say that uh, on, on the podcast, but uh, needless to say, um, um, we cannot continue to borrow in the foreign currency. Because if you, if, you, if you just look at our borrowing rates vis-a-vis the rest of the Caribbean or countries with our credit rating or lower, our rates are 400 plus basis points higher on average. That tells you that the investing community externally, the capital markets, um, don't believe the narrative that we deliver to them when we sell our bonds, or they don't believe we have the capacity to execute uh, uh, and, and turn this thing around. And so they extract this added um, 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 premium for, for lending us monies. So let's continue on this borrowing path. What is the status of government borrowing today? It's terrible. That's, <laughs> I mean, I can't really um, say anything good about it. I think we borrow way too much and then we borrow money and then it sort of like disappears into some sort of black hole. Um, you still um, see potholes on the road. You still see um, government buildings in a sad state. So I just want to know what are we spending um, the money on? We don't have a lot of productive spending, so we're not um, getting our money's worth. Um, like Mr. Ferguson mentioned, we um, are being charged um, a high rate to borrow because um, investors just see us as risky. Um, so they want that um, risk premium um, for the privilege of lending us money. So I, I just think that um, we would, I know we are in an unprecedented time and the borrowing was necessary, but unfortunately in the past, prior to COVID, prior to Dorian, we were just borrowing recklessly. So when it came time for necessary borrowing, um, we had already sort of shot ourselves in the foot. So we just now have this high level of unsustainable debt. Yes, I think... Um um, you know, I always ask myself, you know, I sometimes wonder how are they, you know, actually finding um, the sums of money that's needed to fund um, the deficit. So I don't know if we have some magicians in the uh, Ministry of Finance, but um, it is a sizable chunk of money. Um, and yes, there is a lot of liquidity in the system, but at the same time, persons are, you know, becoming a bit concerned, prefer to 
remaining cash become more conservative and so um you know it it is um you know i just wonder how how are we um still keeping things afloat um and you know going forward um if we are successful in funding this year's deficit how do we then go ahead and fund an additional um i think it's 900 million or so that's um projected for next year you're going to fund it by increasing taxes. Everybody is saying no new taxes, you know? Remember George Bush, no new taxes. What he had to do as soon as he got, got in, he had to raise taxes. And it's an election year. I think we have to put it in perspective, though, because, I mean, when I look at it in, in terms of Michelle, you said it is, it's really bad, and I think we have to put it in perspective for our listeners to understand that over the six-month period, July 1st to December 31st, 2020, the government borrowed $2.1 billion. Now, net borrowing is $1.2 billion because uh, the difference is servicing of the debt. So new borrowing was $1.2 billion. And I think what was alarming to me, well, two things. The deficit is only $738 million, which means about 400 almost 500 is off balance sheet in terms of why they're borrowing the money. That was alarming. And then two... That's called salaries. <laughs> and then two, um, foreign currency borrowing. Back in 2016, our foreign currency borrowing stood at about $1.7 billion. Up to December, it's $4.2 billion. And it's 37% of overall debt and then local currency borrowing is $5.3 billion, which is 47% of overall debt. That is scary to me. And we are bringing into the mix, we had external shock, now we are bringing into the mix foreign exchange shock. And I think that's scary and it's really unsustainable. And I don't see a plan or a strategy uh, to deal with this um, from the budget communication or anybody that has spoken so far um, on the budget, and I think that's serious. Yes, I think the the, the currency concern um, is is a pretty significant one. Um, in in the sense that we're almost fifty fifty now with Bahamian um, versus foreign debt. Um, you know, I mean, there are implications to printing Bahamian dollars, but um, generally, you know, you see countries around the world are not really concerned about debt denominated in their their own currency it's you know when you have too much foreign debt that you end up um, having to restructure your debt and enter um, structural adjustment programs um, and things of that nature and so I think um, it's very elegant Angelo you meant I am coming in and telling you what you have to do yes um, you're, you're becoming quite a diplomat huh? um, so yes it, it's um, you know the currency part of it and you know um it's in essence, you know, borrowing a million dollars to say that you're a millionaire, um, what is currently happening. And so I, yes, the reserves look good and they look healthy, but it is artificial and that part of it isn't sustainable. And then I think also into the mix is interest. So in the previous year, fiscal year, we spent about $339 million um, in interest costs. And that is up there in terms of what we spend on expenditure. That, that's money that could have been used. But interest cost is now the single largest item on the yes. government's budget. Yes. And the, the, the challenge again is the foreign currency component of the interest is way up there as well. And so how do we generate 
the foreign currency earnings outside of tourism to pay not only our, for our imports, but now an added item of interest on the foreign currency debt. It's gonna be a big challenge. So we noticed and we spoke about it, the government has decided to source up the bulk of its budgetary financing in foreign currency. What are your thoughts um, on this? And do you understand why they're doing it? Um, I think that um, they um, took this decision um, because of the pandemic, we're not getting in as much U.S. dollars as we used to, um, because the we don't have the same volume of tourists, um, and we purchase a lot of our goods um, from overseas, and we need um, U.S. dollars basically to feed ourselves, which we just going back to having a long-term holistic plan, because that's something that we can do. Um, maybe not 100% feed ourselves, but we certainly can take a big chunk of um, what we're spending overseas um, to buy food, and we can do that here. The prime minister mentioned in his communication that our um, foreign reserves were as strong as they have ever been. Um, so we're in a pandemic. I think um, we added about $600 million, um, in foreign currency reserves in response um, to the pandemic. On one hand, that's good because you have that comfort that you're going to be able to at least feed yourselves in the short term. But on the other hand, that's bad because, like, like you mentioned, um, we have um, we have to pay back this debt, and foreign currency debt is bad because you can print another country's currency to pay back. So that's when the um, the IMF and the IDB and everybody comes in and they just they take over, and so you really have no say at that point. Yes, I, I mean, I agree with the um, decision to fund um, some of the debt abroad. Um, you know, if if all of the debt was funded in um, Bahamian dollars, it would you know drain the reserves pretty significantly because um, you know just about every dollar that we spend, you know, you make it assume that eighty eighty five cents of that goes to importing whatever it is that that we are consuming. So. Um, like Lachelle said, we need to look at ways to reduce um, imports, um, and then you know that would make us less dependent for one on the U.S. dollar, um, as well as more independent uh, as a country. But um, you know, it's it's not the most favorable thing to be borrowing in U.S. dollars. But like they say, desperate times call for desperate measures. I, I think the challenge to that as well is our borrowing costs very high. So in the international market, uh, borrowing costs are pretty, relatively low for some countries, but in the case of the Bahamas, we, high it, risk. Yes, <laughs> we, are, we have high borrowing costs. So when you add that high borrowing costs with low to stagnant economic growth, I think it's a recipe for disaster if it is not dealt with as soon as, soon as possible. Yeah. And I think that it's also important to have like a plan on how you're going to unravel yourself from this foreign currency debt. So we just do, oh, we have to borrow this money, let's go borrow the money. But you don't have any plan on how you are going to pay it back. So I think that's the, um, that's the problem we needed to borrow it, certainly. But when you don't have um, any plan for how you're going to pay it back, that's where the problem lies. So youth unemployment is in excess of 25%. What was articulated in the mid-year budget 
communication to address the high level of youth unemployment? I think that um, in terms of having a job strategy for the young Pam you mentioned earlier, um, perhaps having those CapEx projects where you hire um, young people rather than just giving them a payout and having them sit at home. I also think that it's important for us to change um, our education system to prepare our youth for the future. Um, We are quickly moving into, well, we are in the digital age and we are quickly moving into more means of doing business digitally, manufacturing digitally, digitally, and I don't know if that's necessarily represented in our school's curriculum. Certainly, it's very important to have the basics, but I think that we also need to consider, are we preparing um, the youth for the future? And I, I think um, another side of it that's that's often um, overlooked in terms of youth unemployment is um, I think, and this is going to take decades to change. Um, we and it encompasses, like we mentioned earlier, livable wage, um, as well as improving education, um, improving financial literacy, but um, preparing persons for retirement. I think we um, fall down on that and. Um, for several reasons, but at the end of it, um, you have a lot of persons who are 60 and 65 and they're not prepared um, to retire, and so they have to stay on jobs. Some of them never retire, um, and so it is in that you know endless replenishment where older persons retire and younger persons can come in and fill those roles. So I think that's one um, side of the youth employment um, issue that we need um, to look at so that you know there continues to be opportunities because every year... Um, rain or shine, there's four to 5,000 new students coming out of school. Yes, some of them will go to college, but the bulk of them will enter the job market. Um, and, you know, if this continues, then the rate will just get higher. I, I noticed that the Prime Minister mentioned the Small Business Development Center. Um, I think that's one of the ways that they are targeting um, some of the young people in terms of helping them. They, he said that they had helped 1,543 Bahamians through small businesses. And I think that's good. So they ought to be commended. While I think more has to be done, I think we should commend them for the effort that they're making. Um, it would be nice. I know they say one in every five business that you know start fails. So if we have one um, in five of these businesses, we're probably looking at about 300 or so businesses. Hopefully they will, be, they will survive for the long haul and help uh, with our economic development. And I think too, it would, um, you know, change a mindset. Um, you know, the I feel like when I came out of school, the dream was to get a government job and um, you know, or go and work in one of the hotels. But you know, if we can fund some of these small ideas, like you said, um, it changes the mindset of people and they'll become more innovative over time, and that could lead to new industries. I think what persons are seeing over the last number of years is that you could have a very stable job in your mind, and management, the owners make a decision, you know, we don't need you. Um, You can have a government job, be frustrated. Um, And so young people, uh, correctly, looking to do stuff that makes them independent, and and, and I think we're going to continue to see this. But again, it goes back to, in the country, we have a job skills gap. And I don't think we have done sufficient to identify which skills gap are necessary um, 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 and 
we need to put in place a program to ensure that we retrain a lot of persons to be able to, to meet the challenges of, of a 21st century country. And maybe even have like a well-defined, well-executed apprentice program where you afford persons who probably are the school between the 18 to 25 age bracket that are unemployed and you team them up with companies maybe in um, industries that can use some additional persons or whether you're trying to create new industries to, to have them work at these companies to get the experience and training. Because the, the fact of the matter is some people just don't know. I know we fault them a lot that you should know this basic, but if you're not around that environment where you're being told or taught this, then you just don't know. And I think as corporate citizens, we have to help. And so maybe an apprentice program where the government is partnering with some companies to hire some of these persons so that they can get the skill set that they need to help them in the job market and to increase productivity in the country I think is, is a pretty good idea. But it goes back to education. If you look at Switzerland, if you look at Germany, most of the European countries, um, most those kids do not go to university. They go into a, an apprentice program where they learn the manufacturing, whatever technical skills that they do. And so I think, you know, at grade nine, you know, if kids are not quote unquote academically inclined, they should go into a stream that is more vocational driven. And those for those academically inclined, they go into in, into a stream that you know goes into whether you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, or a financial sector. So, um, I mean, this is so basic. I I just don't understand why it's not being done. Uh, but again, you know, um, um, you know, again, we cannot continue to have administrations come in and just get rid of all of the previous administration's plan. We have to build upon the good plans and, 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 and move forward. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that we, um, we don't really teach about being um, entrepreneurs um, in school. Like Angela said, the dream was always to get a good government job, get a house, all of that stuff. But we don't really um, prepare um, students to like build their own dreams. So they, like you said, Pam, they're not aware that these things are out there and available to them. So I think that we just need to really change the way um, we educate our young people and to let them know that they have options. Um, everybody can't go to college. Um, they may not be academically inclined or they may not have the finances, um, but there are certainly other um, programs and other avenues that they can take. I was um, very happy um, during the pandemic. I saw a lot of persons, well, a few persons who had lost their jobs at the hotel and they started their own um, businesses. Um, I saw a lady who started a baking, um, she's baking and she has a, a storefront now. I also saw um, another um, lady who um, makes, makes fries. Like, so I, I just thought that that was just so good that they didn't just say, oh, I've lost my job. Let me go and get some government assistance and just you know, sit down, they went out there and did something. But I think we need to create that mindset in everyone so that we can build our country, we can build our nation, and that will help with economic growth in the long term. And now is the time to do it. You mentioned about Singapore and Germany and, and, and how they uh, integrate their persons, their, their students into the workforce, getting that work experience. Now is the time that we have a lot of time on our hands. Now is the time to draft out that plan and have it executable so that when we are able to, we can 
execute it, not talking about it or consulting about it, but this is the plan that we that we will ex we will execute on this particular date um, in the future. So I think now is the time to do it. Hopefully, the policymakers um, get on with it. There's been much talk in the press recently about income taxes. What are your thoughts on income and or corporate taxes? Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. As Mr. Ferguson um, keeps lamenting, we are going to have to raise taxes at some point. I think the problem is that um, there is a distrust um, between the citizenry and the government um, because we don't know exactly how our taxes are spent. So you're taking money from me, but I'm not seeing how it's benefiting me. So I think that they just have to have a well-thought-out structure, first of all, um, on how um, they're going to collect these taxes, what rates they're going to charge on these taxes. And also, I think that we just need to do away with the, well, not really do away with the consolidated fund, but you should have um, better reporting on how the money is collected and where it's funneled. So where is my money going? That's what I want to know. I think that's what a lot of people want to know. So I mean, if you have a well-thought-out structure, then it might not be so bad. Yeah. We have corporate taxes. I don't understand why <laughs> okay, people we keep do. running away from it, right? <laughs> our effective like tax rate in this country is between 35 and 45%. That's our effective tax rate. We do have corporate taxes. Explain that to our audience when I you mean, say we do have corporate taxes. What do you mean by you that? You pay a, they call it a business license tax. In the insurance sector, they call it a premium tax. When you convert those taxes over what companies make, um, the minimum is 25, 30, 45% if you add in all of the value added tax, the sales tax, this tax. I mean, we, we have effective taxes. Back to your point about allocation. In, I would say, first world countries, for example, developed countries, <laughs> stand to be corrected, um, when I license my car, when I get a driver's license, those funds go towards maintaining the road, right? It doesn't go into the consolidated fund to pay salaries, right? And so, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. The question is, do we have leaders who have the temerity to make these, what I would term, simple decisions to move the country forward? Um, with respect to income tax, well, you know, over the years, we have gotten in problems in the financial sector because we don't have, quote unquote, taxes, right? Even though I submit and I would argue that we do have corporate taxes. Now, if, if we are going to add income tax, then, you know, that's another conversation. Right now, our, we have a, a, a regressive taxation system. We need to transfer, transition to a progressive tax system. And, and, and there are many ways that you can do it quite efficiently. But as you, know, you said, Lachelle, we need to make sure that you know, funds are channeled in the right places, um, that the necessary infrastructure is there to collect it in an efficient manner, and, and that you know, your funds are accounted for on an annual basis uh, and not go into some black hole that you continue to be taxed, but you can't, the country continues to regress in its infrastructure and everything else. Yeah, and I, I, it's a difficult um, 
thing to accept. I, I think people casually say it, but you know, when you actually think about the money beginning um, to come out of your salary, it, you know, you start to get those questions: Where's this going? Um, but I, I do think those that make more, um, you know, should naturally pay more. They're persons who have, um, you know, challenges that are, are not their fault, and you know, the state needs to be there to to help those. Um, persons and and who else is is going to um pay it you know those who generally the basis of income taxes those who make more um should pay more but i think the concern still remains on the expenditure side because we can go ahead um introduce an income tax um and you know if you look at the budget when um value added tax was introduced we were spending maybe somewhere around 2 billion per year and now we're spending 2.9 per year and so um, you know, we could increase revenue till the kingdom come, but if the expenditure line just keeps going up, um, and of course we will have um, crises such as this in the future, challenges, and you know the revenue base will be hit again. So um, we we have to get a control on expenditure. It has to be um, efficient and um, disciplined in in terms of spending. Um, otherwise, we'll end up right back at the same point in a few years. I don't support any type of income tax at this point right here without an appraisal of our tax system that's transparent and we, the people, get to see the results um, of that appraisal. Because most Bahamians, their income is derived from their salary for most Bahamians. And right now, our income is being taxed three. 3.9% as an individual up to six, I think the, the ceiling right now is $675 for national insurance and it increases every two years. Well, panel, we have come to the end of another enlightening discussion on the 2020-2021 mid-year budget. 